Ja, ich weiß auch nicht, ob man da was hätte sagen können. So, jetzt. Hallo, jetzt. guten Tag. Guten Tag. Andre, settle down, man. It's too early in the morning. Settle down. No, it's in the afternoon over here. Well, here it isn't. Yeah, you're, you're up since five, probably. So. Yeah, not uh, six. We'll call it six. Yes, good, so good morning, people. Oh, boy. Good morning, Good morning. What's up, Zeppi? No, what's up? Nothing. This is great. I, it's a fantastic excuse to connect here. Uh, thanks yeah. for pulling exactly. it together, Danny. Exactly. And, you know, like, <laughs> you know, it's nice. What, number 72 in the program? Number what? What is this? 36 in your heart. So I appreciate that. Squeezing me into season six here. Well, you know, I mean, you got to go without priorities. You got to go with what the listeners want. So, I, I agree. Sorry. I'm surprised they even want to hear this. Well, you guys will find out soon enough. Uh, we'll figure that out once we hear it. Zeppa, answering that, you're going to be the first English guy we are inviting. So that's number one for that. Well, maybe English guy, but I, I heard there was an appearance by uh, Usti's better half, and I really, I really enjoyed that. So I'm not the first English speaker. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> How do you? That's unbelievable. He knows it all. That's a good. That's a good comeback, though. Presented by. Einen wunderschönen guten Abend, guten Morgen, gute Nacht und guten Tag. Hier ist Band Your Knees, der Eishockey-Podcast mit dem Quatschkopf und den Fachmännern. Ich habe es in der letzten Ausgabe schon gesagt, wir verabschieden uns nicht einfach so klamm und still und heimlich in die Sommerpause. Wir geben euch noch etwas zum Hören mit auf dem Weg in die Ferien. Ob ihr jetzt äh, in die Ferien fahrt, äh, mit dem Auto, mit dem Flugzeug, dafür ist genau diese Folge gedacht. Und was könnte es also da Schöneres geben als einen Podcast mit einem der großen Helden aus der Vergangenheit der Eisbären Berlin mit. Und diese Sendung kann ich nun wirklich nicht alleine machen. Auch meinen zwei prominenten Co-Gastgebern. Die besten Grüße an den Mann, der seit Mitte Mai wahrscheinlich mindestens einmal pro Woche einen Ein-Mann-Autokorso durch Springboro, Ohio veranstaltet hat. Hallo Stefan Ustorf. Hallo zusammen, hallo zusammen. Usti, wie ist das Wetter? Es ist äh, schön, äh, bisschen, die letzten zwei Tage ein bisschen kalt, äh, also kalt für den Sommer, sage ich jetzt mal, aber ansonsten wunderbar. Ich, ich kann endlich ein bisschen was genießen, kann, äh, ich habe das Dach vom Jeep weg, kann mein Autokorso, wenn wir Portugal wieder schlagen, <lacht> äh, durch Springboro fahren, alles gut. Also... Uh, ihr merkt, uh, Mittwoch, uh, der 23. Ach. Juni, ist uh, der Aufzeichnungstermin. Und uh, dann uh, wisst ihr auch, dass in drei Tagen für den Mann, uh, der jede einzelne Tour de France-Etappe mitfahren wird, die große Frankreich-Rundfahrt starten wird. Uh, hallo Lindenberg, hallo André Ranke. Hallo. André, uh, wie ist es mit dem Fahrrad? Hat es schon Staub angesetzt oder bist du jetzt wieder besser im Training? 
na, ich stehe neben mir. Ich habe heute auch wieder vor, ähm, Fahrrad zu fahren. Und ich freue mich auch, die Tour de France dann zu gucken. Da ist die Motivation dann nochmal höher. Ah, und äh, mit, dem, mit dem Setup, was ich habe, werde ich bestimmt den einen oder anderen Berg virtuell mitfahren. <lacht> äh, von daher freue ich mich drauf, na klar. Jetzt wirklich, du, du fährst dann äh, den Col de Galibier mit nach oben? Ah, nicht, nicht denn genau den Berg. Ich habe ja auf meiner, <lacht> auf meiner ähm, Software sind, sind die Berge ähm, drauf. Da ist zum Beispiel Alp d'Huez ist drauf. Mhm. Ähm, den werde ich dann bestimmt das eine oder andere Mal mit hochfahren, wenn sie eine Bergetappe haben. Und ja, das macht dann schon Spaß, wenn du da nebenbei ein bisschen Fahrrad fährst und das auch noch gucken kannst. Und du hast dann wirklich den Fernseher an und äh, pa parallel äh, dein Pro Programm? Genau, genau. Das, ich habe ja sozusagen hab, äh, zwei Fernseher übereinander. Dann kann ich oben die Tour de France gucken und unten kann ich mein virtuelles Programm fahren. Das ist eigentlich, besser geht es gar nicht. So habe ich auch Eishockey geguckt oder jetzt die, die Fußball-EM schaue ich oftmals so. Äh, wenn nicht so interessante Spiele sind, dann schaue ich mir die während des Fahrradfahrens, schaue ich mir die oft an. Usti, hast du ein bisschen Sport gemacht? Ja, 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 ja. Ja, ja? ja doch. Nein, ich bewege mich relativ viel, bin äh, viel mit meiner Frau unterwegs beim Laufen. Ähm, ja, ab und zu mal ein bisschen Golf spielen, gehört auch dazu. Also ich habe keinen Simulator und spiele die US Open mit, da äh, nicht so wie andere. Äh, Gehe lieber selber. Es ist Platz. dir trotzdem zuzutrauen. <lacht> ähm, aber nee, ich war, ich war unterwegs. Nee, alles gut, bewege mich. Du, ich genieße im Augenblick wirklich meine Zeit mit, äh, mit der Familie zu Hause. Es ist, wie gesagt, das erste Mal seit seit zwölf Monaten, dass wir alle viermal wieder da im Dach sind. Und äh, wir genießen unsere Zeit. Ich war gestern das erste Mal mit meiner Tochter seit ja, wahrscheinlich zwölf, ja, auch ein Jahr oder so im Kino. Uh. Auch, auch, auch interessant, ja. 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 Dann muss ich jetzt natürlich auch noch den Film kurz sagen. Quiet Place, uh, number two. Okay. Und ja. ist es eine Empfehlung oder nicht? Doch, ich schon. Ich finde beide, also eins und zwei von diesen Filmen, sehr interessant. Ja. Okay, ja. Quiet Place, ja. number two. Ja. Das ist also Band Your Knees, der Podcast, bei dem ihr auch Filmempfehlungen bekommt. Aber viel wichtiger ist es, dass ihr bei diesem Podcast natürlich die Menschen auch mal wieder hören könnt, von denen ihr unbedingt wissen wollt, wie es ihnen geht. Und deshalb haben wir heute einen ausgegraben, der inzwischen 39 Jahre jung ist ist. Er wurde im kanadischen New Market in Ontario geboren. Er wurde gleich zweimal im NHL Entry Draft gezogen, spielte in den nordamerikanischen Minor Leagues und ging dann nach Lappinranta in Finnland, um für Saipa aufzulaufen. Von dort kam er 2007 nach Berlin, gewann in der Eishockey-Hauptstadt. Fünf Meistertitel in sage und schreibe nur sieben Jahren, in denen er für die Eisbären spielte, gewann den Pokal und holte auch 2010 die European Trophy. Ich glaube, er wurde da auch zum besten Torwart gewählt. Naja, also all das, wir können sicherlich nicht alles aufzählen. Er spielte drei Weltmeisterschaften für die deutsche Nationalmannschaft und das letzte Jahr seiner Spielerkarriere war auch noch ein ganz besonderes. 2014 unterschrieb er einen Vertrag bei den Philadelphia Flyers in der NHL. Er bestritt knapp 50 Partien für deren Farmteam und er 
hat dann auch noch zehnmal für die Flyers in der NHL gespielt. Er war bei seinem NHL-Debüt am 21. Dezember 2014 gegen die Winnipeg Jets, das er natürlich auch gewann und damit einen Rekord aufstellte, wenn ich mich nicht irre, 33 Jahre alt inzwischen arbeitet er für die Spielergewerkschaft NHLPA in Toronto und ist uns jetzt zugeschaltet. Herzlich willkommen, der ewige Nummer 72 der Eisbären Berlin, Rob Sepp. Guten Morgen, Jungs. Thank you, Danny. I need, uh, Danny, I think I need you to introduce me for all of my meetings now. That was fantastic. <lacht> Mensch, Rob, wir haben doch gesagt, die ersten... Zwei Sätze müssen wir noch auf Deutsch reden. Oder bist du so wow. eingerostet mit deinem Deutsch? Es ist zu früh hier in Kanada. <lacht> ich möchte äh, einen Kaffee trinken. Ah, okay. Vielleicht musst du zwei Kaffee trinken. Ja. ja ähm, äh, Rob, sag mir kurz, wie geht's dir? Gut. Äh, meine Familie und ich, äh, und ich äh, sind gut, aber die letzte Jahre war sehr interessant, um, uh, as we know, across the world. Uh, aber uh, wir haben uh, viele uh, Arbeiten und Schule uh, machen, so wir sind, uh, wir sind okay. So, that's a, that's a very short way of saying we're very good. Uh, it's been an interesting year, but uh, we have a lot to be thankful for. And I think uh, there's better days ahead. So, everybody's good. Of course. Uh, also, für alle Zuhörerinnen und Zuhörer. Wir entschuldigen uns uh, vielmals, aber es wird uh, sicherlich uh, eine Folge sein, in der viel, viel mehr Englisch als Deutsch gesprochen wird. Uh, denn natürlich wollen wir... Rob, äh, am äh, Morgen äh, nicht so viele Kopfschmerzen machen und die Folge soll natürlich auch nicht irgendwie ewig lang werden, denn äh, ehe äh, er dann auf das richtige Wort gekommen ist, das äh, scheint ja doch eine Weile zu dauern. Also, werden wir jetzt äh, ins Englische äh, switchen und äh, ich hoffe, ihr bleibt trotzdem dran und habt trotzdem Spaß. Äh, Seppa, can you tell us a little bit uh, of uh, where are you right now and uh, like... Uh, Uh, you're in your office, but uh, what have you been doing this morning? When did you get up uh, and uh, what's ahead of you? What's your schedule for today? Yeah, so just at home here, like you mentioned, uh, in, in Bradford, uh, Ontario. So about 45 minutes north of uh, Toronto. And uh, uh, my day today is similar to every other day. I get up uh, around six in the morning, um, get a little bit of a workout in. That's one thing that... Uh, I really, uh, I really miss from my playing days is uh, uh, getting paid to work out and be in shape. So I've tried to tried to do that to the best of my ability, and it uh, really helps me set the tone for my day. And uh, right now, obviously, it's been a bit of a unique, uh, unique circumstances with uh, with the pandemic. But we have everybody at home. So uh, Melissa, my wife, is a teacher. She teaches uh, virtually right now um, from home. And then all three of our kids are learning from home. So it's a busy house during the day. Uh, and then uh, I kind of hunker down here in my office and I'll have a, a series of meetings, uh, you know, that'll be happening between, you know, now and kind of the end of the day. So uh, a full slate ahead, but uh, this has been a, a really nice way to kick off my day so far. <laughs> Zepa, tell me what, what, uh, what is your favorite meeting software? Uh, we are now on Zoom, but uh, you probably uh, know them all now. 
None of them. I'm done with them. I can't wait to, <laughs> can't wait to get rid of them. In seriousness, I, I've, uh, I've used probably all of them. I, I'd have to say Zoom for me has been kind of the, uh, uh, the most seamless and, and user-friendly uh, platform. I don't know if you'd agree, but um, I, I find myself on Zoom more than any other one. Uh, okay, I see, I see. Yeah, um, maybe you can tell us a little bit uh, about uh, what the meetings are about. Okay, you don't have to uh, let us know any insights, but uh, what what is your objection? Uh, what is your job right now? Um, and uh, maybe you can start with uh, your... Uh, how how you your job is called or your the description of your job sure yeah so i'm the director of strategic initiatives at the national hockey league players association so we're the um essentially we're the uh, organization we're the union that represents the interests of all players in the nhl um my uh, my job title uh, kind of encompasses three key areas if i could simplify so one is Uh, industry growth and development. Uh, we work in conjunction with the league. We have uh, an investment fund that's mandated by our collective bargaining agreement, uh, and we're partners with the with the league in that. And essentially, um, you know, making investments either at the league wide or the local level to uh, more or less uh, grow the grow the game, grow the sport, grow the business um, across uh, across club markets in North America. Uh, second kind of key bucket, I'm, I lead a team uh, in the build out of our, uh, we'll call it our athlete development uh, uh, resources. So this is really trying to create a, a suite of resources and opportunities and, and a network of people uh, that can help uh, our members, players in the NHL, live their best lives through the game, uh, help them understand uh, and realize what kind of maybe makes them tick outside of the rink. Uh, and uh, help them kind of realize, uh, you know, their um, goals and aspirations uh, beyond, beyond the ring so that they can kind of translate their success uh, on the ice to success off the ice for kind of many years to come, uh, both while they're playing and when they're done. So I'm leading the build out in the team there. Uh, and then uh, obviously it's, uh, uh, you know, relevant topic of conversation now, but um, uh, playing a role and, you um, Uh, leading a team from kind of the operations side of things as it pertains to uh, uh, our members' potential, I'll say potential involvement in the upcoming uh, Olympic Games. So Ooh. there's, uh, it's kind of multifaceted. Uh, it's, uh, it's evolved a lot over the past five and a half years, but uh, certainly, uh, certainly it's been, uh, you know, a great fit and It's hard to find something that you're excited and passionate about uh, when you've done something that you've been passionate about for so many years. And I feel very fortunate to be uh, doing what I'm doing right now. So I, I read about uh, that uh, something is going to be announced very soon about uh, the players uh, from the league uh, taking part in the Olympics. Uh, do you know when? Uh, I, I, I just have to give you an answer, no answer either way on that, yeah. Danny. So okay. I'll, I'll leave that as uh, talks. Uh, talks are obviously ongoing, but uh, uh, we'll just leave it at that. Okay, good. <laughs> but you're taking part in that. That's uh, really... Uh, the other two uh, sound very interesting, even more interesting, but this is like uh, an uh, up-to-date uh, topic. That's why I'm jumping on that, of course. 
um it, that sounds uh, really really interesting and uh yeah uh, i would uh yeah that's uh a, a little bit uh of i'm jealous i have to say i'm jealous <laughs> you don't have to be jealous danny you don't have to be jealous Okay, um, Zappari, uh, we uh, maybe uh, take a look a little bit onto the NHL season that's uh, going on right now. Um, maybe Usti can uh, take a lead here because I don't have a clue what's going on. Usti. <laughs> that, that would make sense then if Usti took the lead. <laughs> <laughs> well, would, uh, I mean, what... I think uh, I think uh, after last night's game, uh, uh, Montreal in uh, Vegas uh, taking the three-two lead in the series. I think uh, the NHL um, is uh, secretly uh, hoping for a Canadian team to make it back to the NHL finals for the first time, and I don't know how long, or with even with the possibility of winning it, because I think that would be. Uh, a pretty awesome thing for the NHL. How, how do you see that, Zepper? Do you think the NHL would prefer, or would not prefer, I don't want to say prefer, but I think the NHL would welcome a Canadian Stanley Cup winner for once? <laughs> well, I think uh, anybody would uh, at this point welcome uh, a, a Canadian winner. It's been it's been a while. Um, I will say uh, it's it's been a lot of fun to watch Really, obviously, that I think the playoffs have been great, but to see um, that you know, we, you get down to the final four and teams are just dialed in and players are dialed in, and it's been uh, it's been really fun to see. So I know there's a lot of buzz, obviously, mounting here in Canada uh, around a, a, a Canadian team making it. Um, you know, it's uh, it would certainly be historic. I th think somebody's gonna have to keep me honest i think maybe the last time a canadian team was in the finals was that edmonton in in carolina so that's going back uh that's going no, back. oh i think years. wasn't I think, uh was vancouver before that or after that yeah vancouver oh vancouver was, was after vancouver right. vancouver vancouver boston i think vancouver yes. I think Vancouver was the last Canadian team in the finals and, and, and Montreal was the last team to win it in 93. 93, exactly. Yeah. It's been a long time coming. I know north of the border here, typically, unless allegiances for fans run so deep, like a Leaf fan can't bring themselves to cheer for the Habs no matter what. I think <laughs> uh, generally, I think people uh, are going to rally around them. And, and yeah, I, listen, I think it's, it's great. But on the flip side... To have a you know a new team come in like Vegas and have the success that they've had in a you know non-traditional hockey market and see the growth and explosion of the sport down there, I mean that's pretty that's a pretty exciting narrative as well. And um, you know Tampa is a great example of that as well. They're just a little bit obviously further along their journey, having been there for uh, quite a few more years in Vegas. So it, it, there's I think there's a whole number of exciting storylines that could potentially play out here. I know and Vegas. Vegas, a story for me is is just phenomenal. I think um, I think you can't state enough the job that that uh, George McPhee uh, and Kelly McCrimmon have done there. I, to watch Vegas, like obviously they're having they're having a full capacity crowd right now, and to see what's going on there, and and I just I I think that's just. Did you ever have a chance to go to one of their games like a couple of years back? Like because. It looks phenomenal. It looks like so much fun, such a great place. And 
I also think that uh, they're putting quite a bit of pressure on Seattle to uh, to to put a good team together because uh, expectations in, in from the people for Seattle coming in next year are going to be pretty high with what Vegas is doing over the last four years. Zeppa, uh, tell me um, what, uh, in comparison to last year's bubble, um, how do you see, is it better to have the playoffs or, uh, of course, the bubble situation was a, like uh, was an uh, exceptional one, uh, but uh, was it something that also had a buzz uh, last year? Uh, I think that was there in, from you're talking from like a fan or uh, an exterior yeah. perspective looking yeah. in. I mean, there was so much uncertainty around, and you know, and to a certain degree there is, but I think we know a lot more around yeah. the pandemic now. But at the time, that was really marked the return of something that people were used to that had kind of gone away. So whether it was, uh, you know, hockey or basketball or, or whatever, when when those things. Uh, when those sports started to return in, in kind of that bubble setting, there was certainly a lot of interest. People were at their homes. There was a, um, just in society, every, you know, a lot of uncertainty and, and people falling on hard times. And I think uh, in a way that acted as, uh, as an outlet uh, for people externally looking in. And I mean, the bubble environment for that long uh, posed uh, challenges, no question uh, for the guys. And, uh, but in terms of, uh, you know, looking at it from an entertainment standpoint, I think there was a lot of interest in it. And, and I, I think the, the hockey and the way the guys played, they, they didn't disappoint. They delivered. The hockey was fantastic. Uh, talking a little, a little bit, uh, coming back to your tasks, uh, um, have you been traveling a lot as well uh, when it was still possible? Uh, did you go to places to develop or to check out whether there's a development possibility and to, to uh, start off programs? Yeah, so my job did involve uh, quite a bit of travel pre-pandemic. I, I None of us have really had the opportunity here in Canada or the ability, sorry, not the opportunity, the ability to, to travel since uh, the pandemic has hit. So we've been uh, working from home and, uh, and grounded, I guess, in that sense. Uh, prior to, though, I, I did do a lot of travel, um, uh, predominantly throughout North America into club markets mm -hmm. um, and connecting with clubs and, and doing just that, um, essentially um, building relationships and, and um, almost consulting in a sense on some of these investments that we were making uh, and that they were uh, implementing in, in their, in their local markets. Um, you know, Vegas is a cool example going down there a couple of years before they uh, played their first game and uh, talking about, uh, you know, what the possibilities were and how they were looking at kind of build, building out their kind of long-term uh, fan and youth grassroots uh, platform. So, uh, you know, you go in and there's like 38 registered players in the entire state of Nevada at eight, eight, eight and under, uh, and you look at it now and they're in the thousands. So it's, it's pretty cool and rewarding and they've, uh, taken full advantage of kind of that, you know, uh, investment opportunity and, and built a, you know, team and have placed a lot of organizational emphasis on it. And it's reaping benefits, obviously, 
the fantastic success that they've had on the ice and the great players and team that they've had for the past uh, few years is, is certainly magnified that, but um, you know, it's fun to see a, a sport take off in a, in a new market like that. Lucy already uh, talked about uh, Seattle as an uh, expansion uh, team for, for next season. Uh, did you go there as well? Uh, it's obviously a different situation because they have, uh, I don't know, junior team and stuff. But uh... Yeah, I've been, I've been there as well pre-pandemic, obviously, yeah. since, since then, haven't had the opportunity. But uh, they're very, uh, you know, from our conversations, uh, very forward-thinking organization. And uh, I think you'll see a, a lot of... Uh, intentional investment into the community and into the grassroots there they're, they're obviously as you alluded to working off a bit bigger of a foundation than not a bit bigger you know significantly larger foundation than uh, say vegas did from like a youth hockey participation perspective because there is a bit of a footprint there yeah. uh, but certainly there's huge opportunity for growth and it's um uh it's a pretty fantastic city so um I think there's, I think uh, people can probably look out and, and see from like a, a youth and grassroots development perspective. I think there'll be some cool things coming out of there as well. If I uh, think about it, I can't really see uh, anybody developing uh, or more putting more uh, emphasis on uh, Bietigheim who just uh, qualified for the DL to play there. And uh, to, to uh, like uh, kind of uh, have a more of a base build up over there, but I hope it's still going to work. Um, good. Uh, Andre, vielleicht können wir dich mal irgendwie mit reinbringen. Andre, like, uh, what, what do you think? Uh, Uh, where where should uh, Zeppa go next uh, in in Europe and and build some uh, some grassroots? So, ich auf Deutsch oder auf Englisch jetzt antworten für die Zuschauer? Das ist die Frage. Rob versteht alles. Der tut immer nur so. Siehst du? Jetzt haben wir doch schon erwischt. Verstehen tut er alles. Von daher können wir alles auf Deutsch sprechen. Ja, ich kann es auch auf Englisch machen. Yeah, it's an uh, interesting question. For, for me, like, Bietigheim would be a place, like, like now, they're coming up to the league. And uh, I think in Germany, especially, nobody cares uh, about others. Or the NHLPA is looking more uh, the, the, the big thing. And in Germany, it's all, like, club boys. No. They, they're just looking, looking into their own club. What can we do better? But nobody is is telling them how they could be better, or other teams helping them to develop. And I think that's a that's a unique thing in in North America um, that they're doing it there. And I think all across Europe, it would be nice to to have like the the work Rob is doing that they do it here in Europe too. It's, but it's it's about time. It's like I think sports wise and all that stuff. Uh, they're way ahead of, of uh, Germany and Europe. Are you guys uh, seeing, obviously, Germany's experienced uh, a fair amount of success, in, particularly recently, uh, one with creating some incredible players, but also on, on the global stage and in, in playing? 
has that success translated uh, in terms of like uh, investment at uh, at the local level or kind of the the national level in in getting more youth uh, playing the game? Uh, I believe it has. I think it's a slow process. Um, I think. I honestly believe that we will see the the, the impact of, of the silver medal and the impact of a Leon Dreisaitl and a Tim Stutzlin and a Moritz Sider coming in next year who's going to be a fantastic NHL player. I think the impact of those guys, you know, now with Lucas and, 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 and Paterka and all that stuff, the real impact we will see that five, six, seven years from now. Um, I think hopefully with more kids... Uh, joining to play the game right now. I think, uh, I think Munich, um, Munich putting together that uh, new facility that they're building right now in Munich is going to have a great impact uh, for us uh, all together. It's something that's going to grow. I think the interest in the sport in Germany right now is very big. Um, hopefully we're going to be able to, to gain some momentum from all that. I think Andre made a very fair point and it's something that we've been talking about, or I kind of been criticizing a little bit, but um, it's very tough uh, due to the, especially with last year, due to the financial situation of a lot of the teams, it's just really tough to think big picture. Um, it is kind of a situation where you, you really, your focus has to be on your own organization to make sure that what you're doing is going to work and it's going to work for years to come. And uh, this, uh, you know, like in the NHL, if, if a team like Phoenix years back had financial issues or that kind of stuff, the, the NHL steps in, takes over ownership and runs the organization. And those are obviously things that are not possible in Germany. So the, this, this, this to like thinking together as a group, uh, understanding that we all benefit from a strong product and a strong league and making the league like the NHL is a, is a huge product. Like the NHL is a known commodity. It's, it's, it's a brand, that kind of stuff. And then the teams are a part of that. Well, that's not quite the case with us. Like the DEL, yes, is a, is a brand, but, but you know, the team, like the teams are the bigger brand in that case. And we're trying to get there. Uh, I was part the other day of a, of a, a Zoom meeting for the uh, for the European Hockey uh, Club Association. That was a very interesting stuff. That's there's some good stuff going on there to grow the game, and 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 have more of a like working corporation with all the teams in Europe. Like we're we're things are being done. It's a slow process, but uh, I think. I think people do understand what Andre said, that, that we all benefit from a stronger product, uh, let it be in Europe or in Germany. And, you know, we're on our way. Um, but like I said, like hopefully we're going to see a, a much bigger impact of all the success that the players and the national team are having in, in hopefully five, six, seven years from now. Zeppa, if you if you uh, you know both sides uh, of the ocean, and uh, if you you know the DEL, and uh, of course uh, you already mentioned uh, some some stuff uh, as uh, and uh, Usti mentioned uh, and uh, thinking about uh, what he said about like a product and uh, uh, you talking about investment uh, does. Uh, the sport and uh, of course we're staying with hockey here 
um, has to be seen more as a product and more as a possibility to, well, in the end, make money to be developed like you have it uh, in uh, in the NHL? I, I, I don't know if I understand the question, Danny. Can you... Could you ask again? Yeah, um, maybe, maybe like uh, you see, like uh, if you if you if you're having like a product uh, that uh, is there to to make money, you know, like it's it's not in, in in Germany. Sports is more of an occasion where people do sports and they probably uh, entertain, other than soccer, of course, but. They probably entertain some other people, uh, but it's it's not so much like focused on um, bringing in revenue. Does it have to be uh, more of a perspective to to bring in revenue for certain people so the sports side also can develop? Yeah, I mean it's an interesting question. I'll, I, maybe I'll tackle it from a like a youth perspective because yeah. Usti could certainly relate to this having you know Jake going through the system in in uh, in the US uh, but um, I think what what we're what we're trying to do is kind of increase kind of the breadth of people playing and and coming at it from a you know more of a, a recreational like try hockey get in create um you know, more avenues for people to come in at like a lower barrier of entry versus if you're an elite player, I mean, we had the, the foundation and the, the track and the opportunities for folks, you know, obviously provided you have the means here in North America are almost endless. And whether it's personalized coaching teams, tournaments, ice, like it's, uh, it, it, it's, we're almost over indexed to a certain degree in that. Um, mm -hmm. Uh, and I think the the role that we're trying to play is how do we create more, uh, you know, participants and get their get their their families involved in the game, get their relatives involved in the game, whether that's you know participating, uh, watching, supporting. Um, it, it doesn't necessarily have to be on the ice. It could be ball hockey. It could be floor hockey. It could be in the school. Like there's so many different avenues. Just just trying to um, you know, bring this game and, and make it feel more welcoming and opening to open to a number of uh, different audiences in a number of different forms, I think is, is how we're approaching it. That elite model, um, it's so strongly rooted in, 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 I guess, the hockey foundation over here and in, in certainly in Canada. And I know definitely in, in many pockets in the U.S. So we're coming at it from a bit different of a perspective i don't know Lucy, if you see that differently but um well i think i think you make a valid point here or a good point is the nhl is is uh, the understanding there and then i've talked a little bit with some people for example in in seattle about that like due to the fact that there is more ice available in, in north america and the u.s or something like that the nhl is trying to get people interested in the game of hockey to turn them into fans like that is that is uh, what you know like they're they're trying to to start programs let it be you know like 
Zepper said floor hockey, street hockey, that kind of stuff. Get people to the rinks, get them to experience the game of hockey. So they hopefully turn into a lifelong hockey fan, then supporting an NHL franchise down the road. Um, you know, they're doing a lot of things to generate like, like, like interest in the game as far as fans go. Like, I think our focus in Germany when we're talking about youth programs and all that is to get more young players, actual players into the game that then hopefully turn into future uh, professional, you know, professionals, national team players. We're still trying to get people interested in the sport for the sake of the sport so we have more players to pick from Whereas the NHL creates the interest into the sport to create more fans, to create a, a higher level of interest into the game. So more people watch it on TV, go to the buildings, buy the merchandise, that kind of stuff. Um, I think it's a little bit of a difference there. The, the, the goal, I think, is a little bit different. So. This sounds that it's more about the roots, like uh, to, to set, uh, set the floor. Uh, and uh, not so much about, uh, I don't know, like role models or uh, the, like the big franchises, uh, but, but more about like the everyday work. Well, I think the NHL doesn't have to worry about players. Uh, there's plenty of players that want to play in the NHL. There's plenty of talent. Like yeah. Their talent pool is endless and worldwide. Yeah. Um, we're trying to create a talent pool for the for German hockey is 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 our goal. The NHL is trying to create uh, uh, interest in the game to grow uh, to grow as a sport uh, in general. Like they want families to to go to the games. They want uh, they want all that stuff. Whereas, like I think our our goal is to create a bigger talent pool for our own league, our own national team. Um, you know, and that is something that the NHL obviously doesn't have to worry about. They're always going to have the best players in the world because every player's goal or, or, or like is to, is to play in the NHL. The best players want to go there, play there. So, so I think, uh, again, the, 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 the goal of the leagues is, is very different that way. So that's just my, that's just what I think. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, it's uh, interesting because you always uh think uh, you it it should be more glamorous and more uh i don't know you you gotta uh, have faces and stuff uh but like the the work in the communities the work in the associations the work in this uh small hockey club around the corner in uh, whatever uh, okay Kaufbeuren we've heard a lot in that podcast uh, that there's not only um, people that are interested in uh, sports or in hockey uh, coming out of that town but uh, also uh, a lot of talent but uh, I don't know it, it, all over uh, the place is important and that's uh, maybe uh, a learning uh, we could take from that too yeah and I mean See, I always compare it to soccer in Germany. You know, I mean, like in a perfect world, the, the, the people that go to the stadiums to watch their teams, they also play soccer. You know, they're meeting up with their boys on Sunday. They're having a beer league game kind of stuff. And, and that's something that, that I think would be, would be phenomenal for, for Germany if we ever get that done hockey-wise that, You know, the, the, the people that come to the buildings to watch us play or, or watch the teams play, 
like if a lot of them would be players themselves, you know, I mean, play, play hockey, you know, with their friends and all that kind of stuff. But those are the things that are tough for us because, I mean, you take Berlin's situation, for example, uh, we've talked about it in the past. Uh, if you, if you have like, we call it a beer league team, a hobby muncha, getting ice in Berlin is about as tough as it can be. You know what yeah. I mean? To, to just get out there and play and, and, you know, it, it all, it all boils down to, it all comes back to, you know, we need more ice. We need, we need more rinks. We need more, more ice surfaces for the people to enjoy the game themselves. And in turn, hopefully turn them into fans, lifelong fans, where then their kids become lifelong fans and hopefully try the game themselves and, and develop more of a talent pool that way. But that's, you know, uh, having been in hockey now for 30 some years or so, I think that's a bit of a pipe dream when it comes to Germany. Well, the other thing I'll just say, say on that is, is these, uh, these investments, they take time to mature and bear fruit. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. you know, if a club, if a club in, in the DL has limited resource and, uh, they need to look, they have three different things that they're going to spend that, that Euro on. Um, you know, the natural reaction is obviously to spend it on, on something that could, could yield some immediate fruit, whether it be a sponsorship or a ticket sale or, you know, those sorts of things. This takes obviously a lot of commitment, both financially and from a human capital perspective, and it takes time to bear fruit. And, um, you know, that's obviously another challenge in, in kind of a, a resource strapped environment. Um, but it can be, it can, and is proven to be done. Um, it just, uh, it, it requires a lot of commitment uh, and time uh, upfront for some of these things to start bearing fruit. Robin steht für natürliche Headwear und die ersten Caps komplett frei von Plastik und Polyester. Jetzt shoppen und mit dem Code BYK15 15% Rabatt im Shop unter www.robin-shop.com erhalten. 100% natürliche Materialien wie Biobaumwolle, Merinowolle sowie umweltfreundlicher Leinenstoff machen die Produkte einzigartig. 15% Rabatt auf eure gesamte Bestellung erhaltet ihr nur mit dem Code BYK15. Robin. Naturally stylish. This was uh, very interesting, but uh, let's come back uh, to Rob Zapp. Uh, André, uh, another question for you. Um, uh, the Ice Bear in Berlin, and uh, I'm asking you because you are the most uh, close uh, of all of us, uh, uh, won the championship uh, for the first time with uh, another goalie than Rob Zapp in uh, I don't know how many years. Could you compare the two, Matthias Niederberger and Rob? No, not really there. Uh, <laughs> or the, the the thing you can compare is they both stopped the puck. So oh. they, they won the championship. <laughs> But, uh, on the other side, it's, yeah, it's always tough. I'm, I feel it's always tough for me to compare. Like, what did they do good? And, I mean, they're, they were both great goalies. Um, I mean, Rob won a couple more championships. Hopefully, Matthias uh, has <laughs> some to come. 
Um, but for me, it's like, yeah, there are different uh, player types. Like Matias is way smaller. Um, that's that's one thing you have to see like that. And I'm not, I have many, many friends that are goalies. Um, mm. So, but I, <laughs> I'm not a goalie coach or a goalie specific <laughs> Yeah, you are. Um, guy, the only thing I would I would compare could compare is like their work ethic. Okay. It's like Rob worked uh, unbelievable hard uh, on his technique, on his on his body to getting fitter, getting better. And Matthias is kind of kind of the same way. The the small things they're they're looking at um, getting getting their game to to develop. Um, that's that's what Rob did, and that's is what uh, Matthias is doing right now is like that's nice to see that's uh that's pretty cool like this really small things nobody is talking about nobody's seeing even on the ice they all they care about is stopping the puck but how and why they stop the puck that's some things they both did and are still doing um is fantastic Zeppa do you still uh, follow the DL did you uh Get to know that uh, Berlin won another championship. Absolutely, Danny. Yeah, I, I certainly follow along, and uh, um, couldn't I couldn't be uh, couldn't be happier for for the players on the team. Uh, I obviously don't uh, don't know as many of them now as I as I did say a few years ago. Um, but to see Frankie uh, lift an, lift another one is just incredible. <laughs> Um, and, uh, I know Matthias a little bit, we've had the opportunity to connect in past years and, uh, what Andre said about his preparation and commitment to the game and, uh, to see that, uh, all come together and happen for him. He's been a top goalie in the league for a number of years now is, is awesome. Uh, and then obviously, uh, the fans are in, in Berlin are, are second to none really are, when you compare them to fans around the world. Uh, and it, you know, it's been a relatively long time and a long wait for them as well. So, uh, I'm obviously happy, you know, couldn't be happier for them as well to be able to, to celebrate another, uh, another championship. Talking about, uh, what, uh, Andre just mentioned about, uh, Matthias's, uh, development and, uh, talking about your work ethic. Uh, it came into my mind uh, to ask uh, whether you are still involved in hockey somehow, like uh, really practically, not only um, on the job site. Yeah, I am. I, I've uh, so uh, our son Gavin uh, plays hockey, and I've uh, I coached him for the first three or four years. Uh, and now uh, I help out coach the goalies uh, on his team uh, and have a bit of involvement um, as a, in a volunteer capacity with, with the, uh, with the organization that he, uh, he plays in. So it kind of takes you back to your roots and uh, allows you to get out there and be a teacher and see kids grow and develop and, you know, kids that are highly competitive and motivated to, to, you know, live out their dreams. So it, that, that's been, uh, that's been a lot of fun as well. So I, uh, in the winter, I guess, fall, winter, and a bit of the springtime, uh, you know, I find myself in the rink quite a bit. And actually just as recently as last week, uh, our youngest, uh, Zoe, uh, she's, uh, all signed up for hockey now for next year. She has to play. So that, uh, 
That, that's gonna, yeah, that'll be a new new adventure for me as well. So she's very look, very much looking forward to it, and uh, I am as well. Is she going so to the, be what, the net? The, yeah, that's there's the number one question. The way you just said that, it sounded like Gavin is not a goalie, so you made the right decision there. I'm <laughs> no, no, Gavin no. is very much a goalie, so no, <laughs> what are goalie, you doing? Yeah. Oh, yeah, he's very much a goalie. Uh, I don't know what to say about that. Um, <laughs> probably uh, early on, I would have preferred if he wouldn't have been, but he uh, he certainly gravitated towards it. And, um, you know, now that uh, we're kind of a few years into this journey for him, I have to say it's uh, it's pretty fun to uh, to kind of share that uh, with him a little bit. Um, he is also playing for the same team that I played for growing up, which is oh. like crazy. Um, so yeah, it's been, uh, yeah, it's been, uh, it's been a lot of fun and uh, we'll see. I'm, I'm holding out hope. If Zoe wants to continue hockey, she doesn't want to be a goalie. Nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so how, how, how did she come up with that idea or did you just sign her up? So she obviously she's, you know, her brother, you know, playing quite a bit of hockey. Yeah. Um, so I think there's that draw, but she also actually has a couple of friends in her class um, that had, have started playing hockey. And I think ultimately, you know, why kids join the sport is they yeah. want to have fun and it's a social ex experience for them. And yeah. a couple of her good, good friends play in girls leagues uh, and they're young. They're, they're five turning six. Um, And she wants to play with them. So cool. That, that's great. Uh, so she's really, I don't know what yet she's looking more forward to the, the hockey itself or the social part of it. I'm guessing the social part of it, but uh, <laughs> it, it's great. Anything to get kids active and engaged. I'm a huge proponent, obviously, of team sports and sport in general. So yeah, I'm excited to see what happens there. And Mel, uh, your wife didn't want her to be a figure skater. So they have been skating. Uh, I think her <laughs> preference would certainly be for her to continue figure skating. Uh, ah, okay. Over, uh, but you know, I say that jokingly. At the end of the day, as a parent, <laughs> you you want your kid to do something that they're passionate about and yeah. and that drives them, whether that's the arts, sport, whatever. Um, and uh, you know, as much as you know, maybe or you know, her preference would have been for her to figure skate. It's as long as your kid's happy and doing something they enjoy, that's that's what you want as a parent at the end of the day. If you look at Gavin now, do you see uh yourself? Do you do you like is he already thinking about where that could lead? Uh I mean yeah, I mean kids kids have dreams and goals dreams. and aspirations for sure. Um, you know, he's, uh, he's very, uh, very methodical. He's a hard worker. Uh, so yeah. Shocker. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I guess the short answer is yes. I see some of my characteristics in him for sure, but he's certainly, uh, his own kid and his own, his own hockey player. But, uh, like any kid, uh, they, they dream and they want to, you know, aspire to play at a higher level. And we, we all know the realities of that. The three of us were very fortunate to have, uh, you know, played hockey professionally for a living, but that's, you know, the, like the, the 1% or 0.1% of everybody who plays the game. So, you know, as adults, we're aware of the reality 
Um, but for kids, uh, we grew up dreaming and it motivated us. And uh, it's, it's nice to see that, uh, you know, in my kid and then other kids that were around as well that are playing. Guys, you, you got, you got to tell me like, or um, uh, we, we have uh, what uh, Zeppa just mentioned, uh, three guys that like accomplished almost everything they could. Um, of course, we're talking about uh, Mr. Zepp here, and uh, I could only think of uh, talking about your career a little bit. Um, how long of a smile did you have on your face after that 2014-15 season before you retired, uh, making it uh, to the NHL, uh, playing a game, winning games, helping the team, being there, done it. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a tough one to explain. It's going back to what we were just talking about, yeah. you know, as a kid, it's what you, what you dream of, right? At least that's what I, I dreamed of. And, uh, you know, my journey was, uh, was unconventional and it, it, it was uh, a long, you know, roundabout way. Uh, you know, Usti played quite a few games and, you know, did so towards the beginning, middle of his, his career. Um, I obviously did, did it on the back end of my career and um, it, it didn't, every, you know, we were winning championships in Berlin, having a ton of success, but every day I went to the rink preparing for that. And, you know, my ultimate goal is to have an opportunity to play in the NHL. And every year that went by, I, I mean, I knew it was less and less likely to happen. It's just, just the reality of it. Um, but for some reason, I just had this belief, maybe it was just crazy or completely unfounded, but I just had this belief that it was, uh, it was going to happen. And yeah, that, that, that motivated me throughout. And, um, when everything kind of, uh, you know, came to fruition and, you know, obviously just talk about the first game I, I played, just getting the call up right before Christmas. And, uh, we had back-to-back -back games. So I knew there was a pretty good opportunity. I was going to play the second of the back-to-back, -back, uh, going into Winnipeg. And actually it's funny guy at Winnipeg's a phenomenal atmosphere known as being a really, uh, Uh, intense uh, crowd and a tough place to play. And, you know, the guys have kind of given me the heads up a little bit on, on that. And for me, my time in Germany, I'm like, don't worry, I'm good with crazy, I'm good with intense, crazy crowds. Like this is, there's nothing that can compare to it. And it's, it holds true to this day. Uh, I think I have permanent hearing loss from all the drums that have, were right in behind my head for so many games in, in Germany, but And you lay down at the end of the day, uh, you're going to bed after a game and it feels like you're at a rock concert, your ears are buzzing. So um, anyway, to, to go into that environment was almost like an out of body experience. You know, you're 30 or I was 33 years old at the time and you're kind of like you spin through everything in your mind uh, and your journey and how you got here and all the people you met and, you know, players that you played with and And then all of a sudden they drop the puck and it's like, you're jumping on this moving train and you're going, Holy cow. So for, for the first 10 or 15 minutes, it was like an out of body experience. It took a while to settle in. And then when I was there, it's um, uh, obviously to get the win was incredibly special, uh, uh, you know, to share, you know, to share it uh, with Claude Giroux, who, you know, obviously everybody knows he spent time with us in, in Berlin 
uh, and he, you know, completely, uh, you know, grasped the kind of magnitude of the, the experience for me that made it, I think, extra special. And the guys really, really ra rallied around it. And the time went way too fast and uh, obviously would have loved uh, more time uh, there, but I, I wouldn't trade that experience or kind of the journey for anything in the world. If I were to look back, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change a thing. It, it was, uh, it made my experience there uh, with the flyers that much more valuable, just kind of the path and the route we took. And um, obviously all the, the great times and success we had, particularly in, in Berlin. So, um, and then just, on the hockey side of things, I mean, Usti, you can attest to this. It's just uh, every day you're there. It's, it's uh, the hockey is just, I, I want to say next level, but it's like two, three levels beyond anything else. Everything is crisp and intense every single day. And uh, the play on the ice is just, uh, it's so smooth and put together and the things guys can do is incredible. It, it, it really was uh, a phenomenal phenomenal experience i used i don't know if you you share similar feelings from, from i time, but i always I, I think i've said this before my experience like i now now at the like like over these last uh, 10 years or so i i have a much better understanding or i guess appreciation for my time in the nhl um when i was there i didn't i didn't I didn't like it as far as, um, you know, I, I was so unprepared um, mentally for that entire uh, thing that, that happened to me there. I was, uh, I said it many times before, I, I was so desperate to be part of a team, part of a group, because that's how I grew up. That's the only way I knew it. And, and when I went to, when I got to Washington, you know, that was the one feeling that I was completely missing. Um, Everybody was uh, looking out for themselves, which is maybe one of the reasons why we weren't that successful as an organization during my time there. Um, it's just, you never felt part of a group. You never felt part of a team. You were, you know, you were the young guy, you were the, the guy in and out of the lineup. You were the, you were the guy, you know, it's just, I had an old school coach. He, he picked on us young guys. He left the old veterans alone, all that kind of stuff. So during my time there, I, I struggled with that, but looking back at it now, as some of the players I got to play with on a daily base, uh, be it Peter Bondra, Sergei Goncher, but mostly the guys I got to play against, uh, you know, like I know, like Wayne Gretzky, Mario Lemieux, Steve Eiserman, Sackick. I mean, you know, when when you go back and look at that, you're like, wow, you know, I can't believe I got to share the ice with players like that, or 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 somebody. I guess considered me good enough to to be able to play in a league with guys like that. Like looking back at it now, I'm like that that was that was cool. That was quite an accomplishment, and I can be proud of that. I didn't feel that way when it happened, um, but I do now. And and looking back at it now, I'm pretty proud of of, of my NHL career. I guess. Yeah, it's that's an interesting <laughs> point. Like I think I've gained a true appreciation like one for making it to the NHL, but just being able to even play junior hockey or uh, sign a professional contract. Like you look at it now through the lens of coaching minor hockey and just the sheer number of, of kids that, that play it, mm -hmm. it really is incredible for anybody who is able to, or gets that opportunity to, to, 
play the game professionally or even advance beyond minor hockey to play, you know, junior hockey or in the NCAA. I mean, the, the odds are completely stacked against you. So um, I think I gained a, a much fuller appreciation for that because when you're, you're in it, you know, you're playing AAA. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'll try it for junior. Oh, I made junior. Oh, I got drafted to the OHL. I'm just going to get drafted. Oh, I got drafted to the NHL. So it's like, it just kind of happens when you're in it and you don't really fully appreciate and look back and say, Holy cow. Just the fact that any of that happened was, was pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you know that better than the rest of us because you work with these numbers on a daily basis. But like, it's absolutely like you said it earlier in the interview or or the podcast. It's like we're not even talking about 1% of all players make it to that level. We're talking about 0.1%. I mean, to to really to get to to the professional level of hockey is is uh, is an unbelievable success takes a ton of work. Um, dedication, discipline, luck, all those things. And, you know, um, I think it is something that, you know, the three of us now being a little bit on the older side, uh, you get a better understanding of, of really what you have accomplished uh, um, during your time as a player. I mean, you know, we're all, you know, I, 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 I saw it again the other day and, 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 um, I mean, the Olympics are coming up and all three of us had an opportunity to play in the Olympics. You know, like, it's just, it's, yeah, it's, I think, uh, I think if you, if you look at the big picture of, of, of looking back at it and all that, it's, it's been a lot of fun, a lot of luck, but a lot of hard work too. So there was a, a crazy number that was thrown around and it's changed a little bit because it's it's a couple years on now but at the time of like the 100th anniversary of the NHL and bear in mind this this isn't wouldn't be the exact number but it it, it would give you it paints the picture a little bit it in a hundred years of the NHL which is now a couple years ago but at that time there were uh in, actually, maybe I'll maybe I have a trivia question for you, Danny. Here, here's here's my question: <laughs> How many players, uh, approximately, uh, w- would have played one game in the NHL in the in the history in the hundred year history of the league? It was an unbelievable low number. I think it was only like seven thousand or something. I mean, yeah, I'm, exactly. I'm like seventy four, seventy five hundred in a yeah, hundred yeah. years. Yeah. So, uh, and now and now go to the guys that played a hundred games. You that you cut that down to I think it was somewhere around like thirty four, thirty five hundred. Yeah. How how many did did play sixty two? Was it sixty <laughs> two? What are you talking about me? Yeah. Uh no, it's not. Not I didn't make sixty two. I think oh, I made fifty okay. four regular season games. Okay. Yeah. Fifty four. <laughs> yeah. So it's still it's, it, 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 while those numbers may not be exact it just gives you an idea of all the people across the world that ever play the game that's the number that makes it and it's uh yeah it's it's both enlightening uh from from a just good reality check for people who have kids in the game but also you know for those who are fortunate enough to make it i mean that's one one hell of an accomplishment um Zepper, tell me what was okay. Of course, you you talked about that game, but maybe besides that uh, first game uh, in the NHL, what was the most fun moment in your playing career? Oh wow! Um, 
there are a lot. So it's, I'm going to, I'll give you, I'll give you one that's at, right at the top of the list. And, uh, but it, it'll be, it'll be a, a, a Berlin centric story. <laughs> um, it, it, for me, it's, it has to be game four in Mannheim. Yeah, of course. <laughs> and I'm still getting goosebumps just talking and thinking about it. <laughs> me personally, not one of the, like, not one of the most memorable games from m- myself. Like mm. I wasn't one of my, my best games by, you know, by any stretch, but just, just the one, the comeback was just incredible. Um, but I don't think, I don't think anybody thought like we went down, I think it was five, two with like, whatever it was, 10, eight, 10 minutes left in the game. And I, I don't think anybody thought we were going to lose that game. Even at that point, even though we, I don't think we'd beaten Mannheim in Mannheim all year. And it, there was just this belief. And I, I remember talking to Usti, Usti, you were, I think beside the bench at the time yeah. And, yeah. and they brought the trophy out and they were polishing it up and you're like, all right, boys, we got this. No big deal. And then you could just see it come together. And I remember, I remember after the game, uh, we obviously all know how the good guys won. Obviously we, uh, we all know how that played out, but uh, after the game, I remember we were in whatever hotel we were in and you know, coaches, Pete, you know, they bought everybody a beer and just said, guys, take a breath. Like that was incredible. But we, 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 it could have been, we could have very easily gone back to Berlin, even though we were riding a huge high and and gone in unprepared and not ready to win the game. And I think that was just a great way to just soak it in as a team. And uh, we came out and, and we got what we deserved in the final game and we, we won it. I don't know that that's how I remember it. So for me, that's one of the that's right at the top for any game I've ever played, but certainly Berlin centric moment. That that was one. I don't know if you guys have any other thoughts or from your perspectives from that game, but it was just incredible. I, we talked a lot about that. Exactly. Uh, that game. It, it's always coming up <laughs> if we talk to anyone who won that championship that year. So, um, but you described this like as, as I described it, as Usti was exactly. describing it, um, it was exactly the same what we were uh, telling about the game. So yeah. um, it's it's great to hear that everybody was thinking the same and still recognize it the way it was because it was like that. So the more people are saying it that that played in that game or they were at that game, it's even better because it makes a even cooler cooler story that everybody thought the same thing. I, I wasn't playing, Usti wasn't playing in that game, but I said the same thing. I was up in the stands and I said, we're not going to lose this game. They have, we will win this game. It was 12 minutes to go, 5-2. And uh, that would made the team so special at that point. Yeah. I, and, oh, go ahead, Usti. Well, I just, it's just, I I know that there's people outside, like, like there's going to be people listening to this saying, you three guys are so unbelievably full of shit. Like you're down, <laughs> you're down five, two with 12 minutes to go. You don't know squat. Like you're going to lose. Like, I don't know how to explain this. I really like, I, I, I remember being in a stance with Andre. He, he was a lot calmer than I was. He stayed up there. I couldn't handle it. I went downstairs and I honestly, so 
I really, I, I mean this when I said it, and I said it back in those days, and I said it to some of the guys on the bench during the game looking over, I, I really, I wasn't worried at all. I don't know how to explain it. And I wish I could bottle that, that feeling because if I could, I'd, I'd make millions selling it. But I wasn't worried. I really wasn't. I, there's something that happened that day as far as confidence goes or belief goes in the group uh, that was on the ice, behind the bench, that kind of stuff. I did not. Or maybe it was just ignorance, not wanting to lose. But I never at one point thought we we're going to lose that game. And I don't know how that is and why that is. And, and, and I don't know how to teach it or explain it. Uh, but it just was the way it was. So. In, in the building, too, I mean, they're bringing the trophy out after they go up 5-2. Yeah, the building is going crazy. Obviously, yeah. it had been a while since Mannheim had won, and you know there's a huge rivalry there. Everybody wanted to kind of knock us off our, our pedestal, and then within like half an hour, there's you can't you could hear a pin drop. There's people crying in the stands. Like it was like incredible, just the way yeah. it all took out. And uh, I don't know if any Mannheim fans listen to this podcast. I'm sorry if uh, sorry to rehash those <laughs> memories, but. Uh, yeah, certainly right up there in terms of all-time <laughs> hockey memories. I don't think you have to worry about that one. <laughs> it's, it, it's a good level level up because the last one uh, we had Jan Ek, Axel Alavara uh, as a guest, so uh, it brings it back to where it should be. <laughs> um, uh, André, uh, one question uh, to you. What was your most memorable moment uh, with uh, Zeppar? Do you remember like a save he made or some great game he played? I mean, you know, I'm so bad. Yeah, I know. When, when it comes to, to stuff like that, it's like, for me, it's more like as a goalie, we know him. everybody who was uh, there, they know him as a goalie and how great he was. He's for me still the best goalie you ever played with the ice band. And Now I'm going to get phone calls from the, my other friends. To, <laughs> oh, I, yeah. Say you get, they, you they, get they, a call from mad. Finland. Yeah, yeah <laughs> for sure. From Finland, for sure. 100%. Yeah. Um, but, but that's what it is. We won so many championships with him. And the system we played was not the goalie-friendliest uh, system <laughs> you, you can play. So he kept us in the game so many times and won us uh, championships. Um, they were always talking about scoring goals, but uh, um, in that time, but he was one of the biggest parts why we won the championship. So as a goalie, yeah, everybody saw it. He, he was great. And uh, for me, more, more as a person, um, he's still uh, one of my best friends. He's uh, over in North America and we're still talking and, He helped me out uh, a lot of times uh, in tough situations. And uh, that's what I'm thinking of when I, when I talk about or think about Rob Zepp. Wow. Wow. Um, Usti, do you have one funny story about Zeppa maybe? No, I don't because he, all he did was work out. He, he, all he did was work out. <laughs> <laughs> Come it's on. Just like, come on. There's not like you couldn't have any fun with the guy. He was too professional. Like it was just workout, workout, workout. So like there's no, um, no funny story. Oh, you put me on the spot right now. Um, I just, it, it, 
Zepper for me was like, uh, I mean, think about this five championships in seven years. So you got to be hard pressed to find another player in the league who had, uh, who had that kind of an impact um, for his team and in, in the history of this, uh, the DEL, um, all he did was win, you know I mean? Like, uh, I remember, I remember that there, you know, I, I went to the national team at times and guys would come to me and say, I don't know what's going on. I mean, he, really, who is this guy? Like, like, he's not that good. And I'm like, that's easy for you to say, but look at the results. He, all he does is win. That's what you want from your goalie. He gives you an opportunity to win every game he plays in through his, his dedication, hard work, all that kind of stuff. And it's just, you know, we had a lot of fun uh, uh, off the ice too. Um, but, but the thing with Zeppi was, you know, he, he, he just, he had one goal in mind and that was to be the best he could be. And, and everything else came after that besides his family, that was always first, but, you know, and, and so it was a, he, his attitude and his work ethic were contagious and they were just a huge, huge part of our success during that time. Because, you know, when, when the player in possibly the most important position of your, of your group is, is like that, has that kind of attitude, has that kind of desire to be the best, has that kind of desire to win games, it becomes contagious and it creates uh a culture that that's uh, that is exactly what you're looking for. And so, you know, we did have a lot of fun, obviously uh, we had a lot of fun off the ice, but uh, you know, when, when Rob was at the rink uh, work came first, uh, he was a true professional and that uh, I think that's the best way for me to describe him. Zeppa, uh, tell me, are you still in touch with uh, some of the guys you played with uh, besides Ranks? First, I'm going to get all emotional now, guys. <laughs> that I really uh, greatly, greatly appreciate it. One, one thing I will say on that, though, I mean, you, I think we just we had we had great teams, and yeah. uh, my first year coming in uh, to Berlin. Uh, just the, the, the veteran leadership and the core group of guys that we had there. Um, and then you complement that with some of the best uh, young or younger German players, uh, you know, in the country. So like, you know, ranks and Frankie and, and Bushy and guys like that. I mean, we, we, we just, we had a great construct and uh, for me and for, for guys that were a little bit on the younger end to have that, that core group of those, those veteran leaders who had won, uh, before, um, you know, my first year there, that was my first championship since minor hockey. And hmm. when you sit down with uh, a Steve Walker, uh, or Usti or PD or both for any of those guys. And, you, you know, I remember distinctly having the conversation and it was, it was actually with walks at the time. This is in going into, I forget what game number it was. It was one of the deciding games uh, in uh, against Dusseldorf before we ended up playing Cologne. And uh, I go, man, I it's been like since minor hockey since I've won a championship. And he, he looked at me, he goes, "Don't worry, we'll get you one this year." And he was like, "I was like, <laughs> okay, all right, yeah, this is this is going to happen." And that was like that was infectious. And it for and I I would hope like 
you know, as those guys retired and moved on and, you know, some of us were elevated into leadership uh, uh, positions, I think that that really helped kind of create that foundation in that culture and allowed us to kind of go through that turnover as guys' careers end. And then, you know, we, we grow and mature as a group. I think it allowed us to continue that success over time. Um, and you had a group of guys that obviously bought into a specific system that, that Donnie implemented that, you know, like, like rank said, wasn't, it wasn't overly goalie friendly. We were, we were going to, we were going to outscore you, but uh, we all bought in from the back end all the way out. And, and I think that's what you have to do when, when you want to have sustained success like that. Um, sorry. What was your, I don't even remember what your yeah, question yeah, was. Yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. I, I just wanted to know some simple thing. If you're, if you're still in touch with uh, other people you played with uh, in, during your career, then ranks. Yeah. So the answer is yes. Um, <laughs> talk. I mean, the, the number, if you look back, uh, you know, on it, the, the number of players that I would have played with across 14 years professionally. And then even in junior, that's a, that's a lot of guys. And I'm, as you know, Danny, I'm not a, I'm not a social media guy. So that, yeah. that makes it a little, little tough to stay connected that way. But I, I do have, <laughs> certainly a, a, a group of guys from uh, across the years that, you know, I'm still uh, in, in touch with, you know, not all of them are to the same extent to the amount say I'm in touch with a guy like Andre. So but who? It's, Oh, wow. You're, you're really, you're right. Really asking of course. The, the, the difficult questions here. It, it's funny. Hockey, it, hockey's an interesting thing. So uh, a guy like Robo, I still talk to. Uh-huh. Um, um, Uh, you know, well, the, the two gentlemen on, on the phone uh, now, uh, Danny Briere and I are in, in, uh, mm -hmm. in, in contact. Um, I called uh, Caldwell. Uh, he's uh, was actually, I need to circle back, but was with the jets. So like guys come in and out of, uh, in and out of contact like that. Ah, yeah. uh, I actually work with a couple guys now that, uh, that I was in contact with over the years. So it's, Uh, you know, from my time overseas, there's probably a handful of guys. And then, you know, if you expand that to the occasional check-in, Hey, how's it going? There's a few more, but you know, mm -hmm. those are a few guys that kind of jump, jump out, uh, jump out at me. Yeah. Where, where is Robo now? Robo's in Germany. He he's is in, in Germany. Halle, isn't, he? isn't he? Or like, yeah. yeah. He's not still playing, is he? Uh, the last time, no, I don't. I don't he's believe so. He's, he's doing, um, he's actually uh, started and growing uh, a personal training business. Okay. Uh, yeah. 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 For everybody who doesn't know who Robo is, uh, we're talking about Nathan Robinson, uh, who played with the Iceman for two years as well and won two championships with us. I talked to uh, my goalie. Oh, sorry. I'm, I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. My, my goalie partner from Finland and I are in contact. Um, Oh, cool. LA and I will exchange uh, the occasional message as well. So <laughs> we're, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's both ranks and Usti can attest to this. It's, it's, uh, it's so hard to keep in contact when you've played with so many people and you're at different stages in your lives. But one thing that's really cool about hockey and that I find there could be a, a guy that I played with 10 years ago that I haven't talked to. 
but you can you can pick up right where you left off like you're you're yeah. kind of forever connected through your shared experiences and through the game which i think is a really cool part of uh of hockey so there may be a bunch of guys that i i didn't message or mention to you but the ability to just kind of pick up where you left off is for me is like it's I think it's unheard of across some some other industries it's I think that's a really cool part of of you know hockey and and just team sport in general of course okay I think uh we could be talking uh a little more uh, a little long while more but uh You you've got your meeting scheduled. Uh, Usti probably needs to sign some players uh, for his uh, team. Andre needs to get on the bike, and uh, so uh, yeah, I I'm, I think I'm gonna go for a run now. Who's, so, uh, I've got to ask too. So next year, who's who's gonna finish higher? Is it gonna be Berlin or is it gonna be Nuremberg? <laughs> that's a good question <laughs> um yeah we'll see we'll see i mean obviously uh obviously berlin being the champion and that kind of stuff and it's going to be a tough task for 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 us in nuremberg but uh you know let's just say it this way we'll we'll uh we'll do our best and it won't be uh a lack of uh of uh work ethic that that stops us from possibly finishing higher we'll see okay i like okay. it zeppa thank you very much for your time Please thank you very much thank you very much for having me say It, hello uh, to your family and uh whenever you decide uh, with the pa and the nhl to uh, start also helping out to growing the game in germany just uh, talk to us uh, we're gonna we're gonna help you right. that's all That's all uh, we look at. <laughs> Thanks for that, Danny. Good. Talk to you on another occasion, on another time, and hope to see you in person someday. It would be absolutely great to uh, to come back and see everybody again in person. We uh, we have so many fond memories, as I'm sure came across today in our conversation from our time in Berlin. So it's forever going to be kind of our home away from home. And... Uh, I, uh, I look forward to the day that I can come back hopefully sooner rather than later. Zeppa, thanks a lot and uh, goodbye. Bye, Bye. Zeppi. Hi to the family Ciao. from us. Same to you guys. Great chatting with you guys. Merkst du etwas? Was denn, Papi? Welch riesige Kraft, welche ungeheure Macht ein gut gewähltes Wort ausüben kann? Das war also das Gespräch mit Rob Zapp und äh, ja, das äh, war doch mal ein ganz schönes Ding, mal wieder ein paar schöne Erinnerungen und sehr, sehr interessante Einblicke in die Arbeit äh, von äh, einem Spieler nach seiner Spielerkarriere, aber natürlich auch in die interessante Arbeit, die er jetzt konkret gerade absolviert, was er alles tut mit der Spielergewerkschaft. Also man darf ja nicht vergessen, dass er nicht für die Liga arbeitet, sondern für die Gewerkschaft der Spieler, die sich dann für die ganzen Sachen einsetzt, die er auch mit betreut. Wie gesagt, er hat mit den 
Olympischen Spielen zu tun äh, und äh, legt auch andere Grundsätze. Und äh, er hilft auch den BeraterInnen, äh, die in der Gewerkschaft arbeiten, dabei die Spieler besser zu verstehen und deren Leben ein bisschen einfacher zu machen. Wir sind am Ende der ersten Staffel von Band Your Knees und es war mir ein absolutes Fest. Vielen Dank an alle Hörerinnen und Hörer in nah und fern, die uns zugehört haben. Und wir werden jetzt eine kleine, feine, naja, mal gucken, wie es lang, wie lang es auch wird und so weiter und so fort, Sommerpause einlegen. Ähm, André, was bringt dein Sommer noch so für dich? Nee, du hast ja schon angesprochen, Fahrradfahren ein bisschen. Ne? Jetzt bei dem Wetter kann man es wieder ein bisschen <lacht> besser machen. Nein, Spaß. Ähm, ja, die Kinder haben heute ihre Zeugnisse bekommen und ähm, jetzt sind, jetzt sind erstmal Ferien angesagt und wir wollen wirklich die Zeit zusammen so, so, gut, so gut wie wir können jetzt auch mit den, mit den Freiheiten, die wieder da sind, die wollen wir so gut wie möglich nutzen und äh, da freuen wir uns schon drauf. Ussi, du hattest sicherlich gar keine wirkliche freie Zeit. Du wirst sicherlich demnächst auch wieder den Weg ins Frankenland antreten, oder? Ja, nächste Woche. Ich, ich fliege am 1. Juli wieder zurück nach Nürnberg, habe dann gleich am, am 3. und 4. am Wochenende noch eine, eine Fortbildung, Trainerlehrgangsfortbildung in Köln, muss dahin und bin, wie gesagt, dann ab, ab dem Montag wieder in Nürnberg. Ähm, ja, in dem Sinne hast du, wie soll ich das sagen, Sommerpause gibt es ja eigentlich in, in, in <lacht> meinem Job in dem Sinne nicht. Ich habe aber natürlich schon in den letzten vier Wochen hier ähm, auch Zeit gehabt, die Zeit mit der Familie zu genießen und, und ähm, auch, auch mal ein bisschen versucht abzuschalten. Aber im Endeffekt, ja, ich bin viel am Telefon im Augenblick, viel am Computer ist ja leider so, dass viel unsere, unsere Scouting-Arbeit und so dieses Jahr sich wirklich auf Video beschränkt hat aufgrund der Situation. Und äh, damit muss man erstmal klarkommen. Aber, aber es ist, ich bin zufrieden mit der Situation da, wo wir jetzt im Augenblick sind. Hoffentlich kann, kann ich äh, in naher Zukunft ein bisschen was verkünden. Aber ja, wie gesagt, äh, die Arbeit hört ja in dem Sinne nie wirklich auf. Äh, man muss halt Wege finden, das miteinander zu kombinieren. und äh, auch mal Zeit zum Abschalten zu finden. Und auch das äh, habe ich geschafft. Na, das ist doch schön. Ja. So, äh, wir hatten in der letzten Woche, Katrin, oder wir hatten in der letzten Sendung, um Gott, letzte Woche, äh, egal wann ihr es hört, äh, diese Sommerpausenausgaben sind ja eher zeitlos. Äh, da war also Katrin noch dabei. Jetzt hatten wir André und Usti und natürlich einen, äh, den wir auch noch äh, unbedingt äh, erwähnen wollen, ist Hannes. Und der hat uns zum Glück, damit er euch auch ordentlich in die Sommerpause verabschieden kann, noch eine Nachricht zukommen lassen, die wir jetzt natürlich auch noch einspielen wollen. Einen schönen guten Tag, ihr Nasen. Ich bin ehrlich gesagt total geschockt und ich kann es noch nicht glauben, dass Daniel Goldstein mir sagte, er verabschiedet sich in eine Sommerpause. Das habe ich, glaube ich, noch nie gehört. Ja, die Zeiten ändern sich. Das ist anscheinend so. Und bevor das hier wirklich zu Ende geht, zumindest temporär, würde ich natürlich noch ein, zwei Takte loswerden. Als allererstes nochmal ein großes Sorry an André. Du hast ja in deiner Loge die Heimspiele in einer stoischen Ruhe teilweise angeguckt. Und nebenan sitzt dann so ein völlig bekloppter Schreier als wie ich und hat wahrscheinlich des Öfteren 
mit seinen unqualifizierten Beiträgen für Augenrollen gesorgt. Wie gesagt, nochmal ein großes Sorry an dieser Stelle. Äh, dann natürlich auch ein Gruß an Usti. Und äh, ich würde Goldi wirklich bitten, hab ein Auge auf Stefan, weil ich glaube, der weiß gar nicht mehr, wie das ist, äh, den ganzen Sommer durchzuarbeiten. Ähm, Usti, wenn du irgendwie Burnout-Erscheinungen hast, sag auch Bescheid. Ich schicke dir auch gerne mal wie ein Stück Käsekuchen ins Frankenland. Ja, dann geht es hier bestimmt wieder besser. Spaß beiseite. Ich äh, wünsche euch beiden natürlich ganz viel Erfolg bei euren neuen Aufgaben, äh, in euren neuen Rollen, die ihr habt und hoffe sehr, dass wir uns in der kommenden Saison dann auch wieder in der Arena begrüßen können und natürlich auch äh, an Goldi, vielleicht hast du ja nochmal irgendwelche äh, Medienprojekte, wo du dann wieder hin zum Kunst einspannen kannst, ja, ich bin sehr gespannt, äh, natürlich auch ein Dank an Katrin, die wahrscheinlich von uns allen die allerbeste Podcast-Stimme ever hat und uns natürlich auch einen mega Einblick ins Frauen-Eishockey gegeben hat und vielleicht nochmal so eine neue Sichtweise der Dinge äh, ermöglicht hat. Und am Ende des Tages wünsche ich natürlich auch allen Zuhörerinnen und Zuhörern einen richtig tollen, entspannten Sommer. Vielen Dank, dass ihr dem Podcast mit der wohl bescheidensten Tonqualität äh, weiter zuhört und uns die Stange haltet. Und ja, ich freue mich, wenn wir uns dann irgendwann äh, wieder hören. Und bis dahin, wie gesagt, habt eine schöne Zeit, habt vielleicht auch einen schönen Urlaub. Und äh, ja, ich äh, küsse die Augen von euch allen. Macht's gut. Das war also Hannes. Na, sehr schön. Das hat doch auch nochmal gut geklappt. Äh, vielen Dank dafür. Dann können wir äh, das auch abhaken. Und äh, das war's also mit Band Jonis. Äh, vielen Dank äh, an André Ranke und an Stefan Ustorf. Äh, euch äh, noch einen schönen Sommer. Danke dir. Danke. auch. Und liebe Hörerinnen und Hörer, guckt immer mal in euer Podcast-Programm. Vielleicht kommen wir ja schneller wieder, als ihr dachtet. Das war Band Jonis Staffel 1. Ich sage wie immer: Tudaraba ve lehitraot. Schon vorbei. Über die ganze Saison hinweg gab es Sprüche, ja. Geschichten und alles und die haben wir an die Wand geschrieben. Ja, das war so. Und da habe ich gedacht, daraus hat. könnte man was nehmen. Mir ist aber leider nur einer eingefallen. Also das ist, glaube ich, der bekannteste, das oder? Das kam im Training damals ungefähr ja, 30 Mal oder so, hast du das gehört? <lacht> Von Pierre Paget. Von Warum Pierre hat er Paget. das gesagt? Weil ihr nicht beim Schlittschuhlaufen ja, äh, ordentlich in die Knie wenig, gegangen seid. Wir sind ihm zu wenig in die Knie gegangen und irgendwann hat das dann zum sechsten Mal hintereinander zu Eric Cole gesagt. Und Eric Cole hat gesagt, wenn du jetzt noch ein einziges Mal bend your knees zu mir sagst, dann hau ich dich durch Sonne, Mond und Sterne. Könnte, könnte man ja mal damit versuchen. Das lässt ja. sich auch gut abkürzen mit BYK ja. oder BIC.